the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. Hello, friends. This is Richard Mendelo, host of Courageous Christianity. We're excited to bring you a special series of shows over the next couple of weeks that track with my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will encourage you and draw you closer to Jesus. These shows originally aired during 2020 as separate half-hour shows, and now we're bringing them to you again in our new one-hour format. Please make note that some of the previous book offer details don't apply right now, but there's even something better. Right now, by going to kkht.com and clicking on the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image and registering your information, you will get a complimentary copy of my book so that you can study through the devotional along with the shows. Remember that these shows aired in 2020, so some of the days and dates aren't current, but you'll get the gist of it. If you have any questions, email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com, and my trusty wingman, Christy Stratton, will help you out. So stay with us today, and then make sure to join us during the next few weeks as we continue to guide you through my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. And thanks for listening. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mentolo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome again. It's a glorious Saturday to talk about Courageous Christianity and the opportunity that we have in Jesus to reflect his light on the world around us. As always, I'm joined by my formidable wingman, Christy Stratton. Formidable. Formidable. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Hi, Richard. Hi, good morning. I'm so excited to be with you guys today to continue in our devotional series based on my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. But before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserve, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we 
Glory today in the love of your son, Jesus, and the chance we have in his beautiful name to live heroic Christian lives. Where much about this world seems confusing and twisted, he is the way, the truth, and the light. Help us, Father, to know him better and to live lives worthy of his calling. Help us to walk boldly in faith by the Holy Spirit that we may create enduring godly change according to your word. We pray for every opportunity to shine your love into the stormy darkness to lead your children home to you. We pray boldly in thanks that your will be done, that your words are spoken, and that your voice is heard. And let us not forget those on the front lines of the medical care across the world, dear Lord. May we look on them with compassion. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Friends, today we're continuing the journey. Uh, last week we discussed devotional days one through seven. Yep. And that was about choice. And today we're going to talk about change, devotional days eight through 14. And this 40-day journey that we're on coincides with the period following uh, Jesus' resurrection and the time that he spent with the disciples talking to them about how to bring their faith to bear on the world. And we're excited about it. Don't forget to like our Facebook page. We'll be making posts to discuss the day. Yeah, we're, we're doing that. We're sharing uh, scripture that are in, you know, a part of each show to remind you of that. And um, if you have any questions as you're going along, post those in the comments. And Richard and I will be there uh, responding to you. So we're just really excited because... It's such an opportunity to do this together. I mean, the holy time, um, Easter, all of that, but also amid this opportunity we have in uh, the coronavirus, this time right. that we have at home. and To seek change. To seek change, yeah. So we talked in the first week about making a choice. And we talked about the prodigal son. And I liken it to the idea that if the prodigal son made a choice to return home, from the faraway lands of his sin, but never started walking. There was never any action associated with his choice. There would not be any change. Mm. And nothing would have happened. He would not have returned home to the unconditional love of his father. And so in the week, day 8 through 14, we talk about choice. And then we talk about acting on that choice. A new choice with action creates change. Righteous choice, righteous action, righteous change. So day eight reminds us that in every choice, there's an opportunity for God or the world. Day nine is about living with the change our choices generate. Day 10 is about the nature of change itself. Day 11 is about the role we can play through the storms of change. Day 12 reminds us that had the prodigal son made the choice to return home but never acted on it, he would still be in the faraway lands of his sin. Day 13 is about action, and day 14, the Sabbath, reviews the change. So one of the questions that we have is that in life we make decisions to do or not to do something. And when we take action on those decisions, our actions show our choices to the world. And this is precisely what spiritual counterinsurgency was. And uh, we've talked about it as setting the example and a lot of different ways uh, to look at faith. But the question that I have, uh, Christy, is sometimes people make a choice, but 
never act on that choice to actually generate change. And I know it's hard. Sometimes we just keep doing what we've been doing because we've been doing it. Yeah, it's it is hard. It's and as the, as you as you just said that we make a choice to change, but then we don't act on it. And then I'm like, okay, then just what happened? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you think about the reasons we stay stuck, and and I don't say this without compassion because we all do it. Yeah. Uh, example in aviation safety. Sometimes there'll be an aircraft accident where the crew did something. They just kept trying the same thing. Eventually, the plane crashed, and we call it continuation bias. They just are biased to keep doing what they've been doing. And a lot of us do that. So if you look at why we make a choice and then don't change, so you decide, I want to know Jesus better. But maybe you never open your Bible. And right. you, and, and why is that? And I think... For me, as I think through it, there's fear. Yeah, I, that fear is what comes to mind off the top. So fear. Uh, so example, as a Jew who came to Jesus, people always want to ask me, what did your parents say? And that says to me, one of the things people are afraid of is what your family thinks. So what they've thought about you becoming a Christian. Right. Yeah. And thank God, my parents were totally encouraging. Uh, my mother and my father, who were both alive at the time, in 2003 when I made the uh, choice. And my father just said, I'm happy for you. And my mother said something similar. But so I think sometimes people don't make a choice because they just keep doing what their dad or their mother was doing. And what's funny to me about that is, as teenagers, you couldn't get us to do what our parents wanted us to do. <laughs> no. But then 50 years later, we're doing precisely what they wanted us to do. How does that yeah. work? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I, I want to go back to the Bible and that same sort of thought process there is, and as I'm picturing myself or putting myself in someone else's shoes, okay, I want to change. I want to know God more, but I don't open my Bible. Going back to exactly what you just said, I'm I'm guessing I'm thinking maybe the fear is I'm afraid I'm going to read something that tells me I'm I'm wrong. Well, the the good thing there is we're all wrong. Right. So I think if you look at fear, there's fear of disappointing the people around you not being who they want you to be, not because it's what's best for you, but because it's what's most comfortable for them. Conformity. That's hard. That's hard. Conformity. Uh keep doing what we've been doing so we don't upset the apple cart. Uh, I've never had an apple cart, but I don't think I wanted to get upset. <laughs> then there's the idea that we're going to make a change and in whatever area of our lives, it's going to create conflict. Right. And we're mostly conflict averse, especially in this day and age yeah. where it's like, go along to get along, confirm to the, conform to the patterns of the world, or you're going to get it. Right. And so I think we have to make friends with conflict because... Yeah. If we're going to break away from the world and seek God, think about the prodigal son. He had to turn from the faraway lands where he was and the friends that he had. And the thing that's interesting is, although it's hard. But that's courageous. It's totally courageous. And uh, we should name this show Courageous Christianity. Whoa. So <laughs> here's one thing that makes it easier, though. You're on today, Richard. On. <laughs> here's something that makes it easier. If you profess your choices to the world, 
this world that wants you to be what you've been or what it wants you to be, then people will either join you in your change or they'll go away from you. Right. And the awesome thing about that is I'm going to be loud about who and what I'm doing for God. And if you don't like it, you'll turn away from me. And that way I have one less negative influence in my life. Right. So actually my life just got easier. Yeah. But when we're lukewarm about our change, now I don't want to say anything that offends you. So now I keep having to deal with this low grade negative influence that you are in my life because you're trying to keep me Which where I was. the definition of the world today. Right. We all just kind of go along to get along. Nobody's totally happy. The world isn't happy. Here's a bizarre thing. This last week, somebody said to me, I was a humanist. Mm. And I thought to myself, either they don't know me or they don't know what the word humanist means. But it's bizarre because their point was, you know, be compassionate and understand the world. And my point is the world doesn't like where it is. Nobody is really happy. Everybody's self-medicated in some way. They're complaining on Facebook. They're struggling, overeating. Marriages are failing. We're all having trouble. And yet people keep seeking solutions in the world. Right. They so keep a, doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. Right. So a humanist is somebody who, after the Greek philosophers, believes that the solution is in man and and men's uh, machinations. But my contention is, if the world isn't happy, then why seek a solution in the world? Why not seek a solution outside right. of the world? Right. And so let's say that wherever we are in life, however you're hearing this, you're in a place where uh, you have my book in your hand, and so you're seeking some sort of change seeking to know God better, seeking to change your status quo, seeking to impart a greater sense of meaning to your days, seeking to set a better example for your family, etc. So you are embarking on this journey with us, and the journey says, okay, we can make these choices to be something different. And then you take action on that, and uh, you have change, and that changes outside the world. It's toward God's unconditional love, and what am I missing? It requ it requires us to make the choice. What I'm what I'm sounds like to me to come along the on the journey with us. Then it requires that action of m making space in your schedule to read days eight through fourteen, and the after action report that sort of thing. So that's the change. And that's going to require some other things for you to choose not to do other things. But it takes that action to, to do that. And if we want to be that courageous Christian, then we will go right. on that journey. Well, it's generally not easy. Right. But I, then again, we don't love where we are. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeking change, in which case the effort that we make will be well rewarded. And we do know that about God, that when we choose the things of heaven over the things of earth, we are well rewarded. Uh, so one so of the things, absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. So one of the things that makes it easier is that the negative influences in your life will not like this change and they'll go away and let them go away. Yeah. Makes and life a lot more simple. It makes life simpler. And the positive influences in your life will lift you up. Yes. 
and they will help you to become a new you. So Chrissy talked about a couple weeks ago on her show, The Divorce Coaching Hour with Chrissy Stratton, she was talking about a John F. Kennedy quote when he said that the Chinese word for crisis has two characters. The one represents danger and the other represents opportunity. Yeah. So, and I got that quote from you, by the way. <laughs> but thank I, you. Yeah, I was, okay. <laughs> Thanks for plugging my show. You're welcome. <laughs> I appreciate so, it. So think about that. The crisis is actually a dangerous opportunity. So that means uh, it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. but it's fraught with peril. But then you have to examine the status quo. If I keep doing what I'm doing, right. that is certainly fraught with peril. In the, the stormy night, I don't have the, the lighthouse of Jesus. I'm going to end up crashed on the rocks. Yeah. And so there's the lighthouse of Jesus. I surround myself with believers. I, I turn to the book. I dig my heels in and I make a courageous change. And then I, I use new words, have new conversations with new people about new things and change will happen. And the, and the storm calms. And the storm calms because Jesus did calm the storm. I realize it's scary, but we're struggling and we're struggling individually and we're struggling as a community. And uh, we look at the world around us. There is no political solution. There is no man-made solution. It's all just twisted and contorted and what's what. And the saying that we have in the Marines, we say, who's who in the zoo? You don't know who you can trust. but everybody's acting like an animal. And so we bring this to God and we say to him, uh, Lord, we trust you to guide us through this. We will turn to you first and foremost in everything. And then we build that habit. And pretty soon, uh, before you go out to dinner, you're praying about where, where you should go. And I know that sounds silly, but that is the way it is because combat is hard and we need to turn to him in all things. Yeah, absolutely. Those little daily efforts, it doesn't have to be, you know, this overnight change. Sometimes it is. Paul, it was overnight. It was immediate. But, you know, even thinking about my own testimony and my own walk, it's been 20 years and it's been slow changes of those choices, but taking action of those choices, even so much as praying about where I'm going to dinner, even today. Speaking of which, one of the metaphors I think about a lot in Christianity is as a Christian, we know we have the mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And the way I look at that is I'm not going to browbeat somebody into choosing God, because if God gave you free will, that free will is yours, and only you can make that choice. And it can only come from your heart if it's going to be a real choice. But I think of it as a Christian of inviting people to dinner with God. And so there's this giant banquet table in this big hall that looks like, you know, King Arthur kind of hall, And God's at the head of the table, and we're just inviting people to dine with him. It's like the feast. And the host invited all of his friends, and they all were busy, and they all had all kind of excuses. So he told the servants, go and get anybody. So we know that in Christ, initially, Jesus was uh, for the lost sheep of Israel. And then the lost sheep didn't come to dinner. They didn't come to the feast. So God told the servants, go and get everybody else. So now we're sitting at this big banquet table, and what we choose to eat 
what we pick, how big a bite we, we take, that's all up to us. That's between us and the Holy Spirit. That's intensely personal. And the only thing that I would say is uh, the invitation is amazing. Those of us who are dining with God are awed on a daily basis. So odd. And and he piles this table high with opportunity, and you're sitting at the table with believers, and it's not so scary, and it's real, and our prayers are answered. And the very second you experience the grandeur of that, then you think about those who don't know, and they right. aren't at the table. And it just makes makes you want to know them. But as you're making this decision, it's yours, it's hard you're going to break with some things. You're going to come to some new things. And it's at your pace. And the Holy Spirit will help you and he'll guide you and he'll put people in your path that will just lift you up and point you in the right direction. And circumstances will do the same because it's not easy. If everything is going well, if you're laying on the sofa and the remote control is working fine and the fridge is still full of food, you're not going to get up. You're comfortable. Why would you move? So God has to make you uncomfortable. And once he's made you uncomfortable, well, now you're up and you're moving and he can do something with you. He can put people in your path. And change your life. And change your life. So uh, we're talking about truth, the truth of God. And as always, we have a moment of truth, which is a scripture which comes from the Bible, which informs the discussion. And this is very important to us in uh, putting the show together because we want people to know that the Bible is a living, breathing book given to us by a loving Father, and in it are the answers to all of the questions we may ask. The moment of truth today comes from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So we're talking about taking action on choices. In the same way that faith without works is dead, choice without action isn't a choice. A choice must evoke change. If you make the choice to be more like Jesus, but don't act on this choice and don't change, then you're really asking Jesus to be more like you. Mm. And when you do this, it brings discredit upon Christ. It doesn't invite people to dine with God. We know that conflict is inherent in change, and I understand being fearful, but warriors are men and women of action. We face our fear, and we take action despite our fear. So in a manner of speaking, as warriors, we must make friends with conflict. With constant reference to Jesus, we can ensure that the possible and probable conflict is necessary and proper. We don't just go out and start fights with people. We can walk peacefully, make choices according to Scripture, and act on those choices and accomplish godly change. In this way, people will know that we're Christians and they too can change their lives according to Christ. And it's reflecting His love that is our mission. As you and I know, the change which Jesus works in our hearts is well worth it. I just watched an awesome movie about that song, Can You Imagine? Oh, can, I'm forgetting it now. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine. There, Thank you. There we go. Memories. And it's about the change Jesus works in this guy's father. It's a good and movie. It's an awesome movie. Our quote of today, which is about change, is from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, and he sums up this change best when he says, quite simply, 
There are far better things ahead than any we can leave behind. Amen. Friends, to wrap up, we've seen a lot of change in the last few decades, and some was good, but most of it was bad. For example, in 1962, we turned our backs on prayer in school. In 1973, we turned our backs on the sanctity of human life when we legalized abortion. These are just two examples among many. In truth, we have undermined much of what made this nation great. This change did not have at its heart the word of God, and we cannot be a part of this. As Christian warriors, we distinguish ourselves by the nature of the change that we create. If the change returns us to the word of God and is acted out according to his son, Jesus Christ, it is good change. Anything else, and it is just another wrong turn on the road to heaven. So change is dangerous. In the absence of God's guidance, change might just create conflict. For this reason, we must hold on tight to our Bibles and reference them often. For this reason, we must seek to become part of a congregation. It's important because the world... Well, the truth of it is, the less we are of the world, the more we are of something else. And we want that something else to be uh, predictable and bring us closer to God. There's a reason why people judge you by the company you keep, and it's because it's the best indicator of who you're going to become. So I recommend a good non-denominational congregation in which you can pray, worship, study, and contribute. Also, Christians shouldn't live in the past if we want to be transformed. We can't change if we're anchored by old places, old habits, old attitudes, and old words. For this reason, I believe it's important to do new things, to use new words, and to focus on new activities. Finally, as individuals and as a nation, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. In Him we need not fear. He will make all things work together for good. With His help, we can do good things and avoid bad things. With His help, we can become more like Him in thought, in deed, and in word. In Jesus, we can all be changed. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Here's this week's So What Are We Reading? We believe that a part of what helps us in our walk as courageous Christians is reading. And so we're taking a moment during each show to share what we are reading and how it's helping us in the hope that it will help you. First and foremost, we are always reading the Bible, and we truly encourage you to always start there. 
And next, we hope you'll be reading with us Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. And yes, it's by the host of Courageous Christianity, Richard Mindelow. And now you can get your complimentary copy. Thank you to KKHT for featuring Richard's book on KKHT.com with a book giveaway. Want to read along with us? Get your complimentary book by going to KKHT.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter some easy info and KKHT will take care of the rest. The book is a 40-day devotional for those who seek to become Christian warriors. It's about heart, faith, courage, and truth. Richard brings his experience as a colonel in the Marines and as a Jew who believes in Christ to the readings. You'll hear Richard's courageous love of Jesus in every word. At the end of the 40 days, with God's help, you will have experienced a transformation. You will have learned how to speak about your faith more, how to pray more, and how with God's help to stand your ground more firmly, all while leading people to a decision about their eternal souls. You will be a Christian warrior and a guardian of the faith. So make sure to get your complimentary copy by going to kkht.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter your info and KKHT will get you your copy. We want to hear your thoughts about the devotional, so please let us know at our Facebook or Instagram pages by searching Courageous Christianity. And to learn more about our ministry efforts, go to CourageousChristianity.today. And as always, if you want to reach us, you can email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Our beloved A.W. Tozer says, the things you read will fashion you, slowly conditioning your mind. We pray that in this next week, you will be reading the things that will condition your mind as a courageous Christian warrior. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Hi, folks. It's Richard again. We're so happy to be bringing you this special series of shows during the next couple of weeks that track with my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. As I mentioned earlier in the show, these episodes originally aired during 2020 as separate half-hour shows, and now we're bringing them to you again in our new one-hour format. Please make note that some of the previous book offer details don't apply right now, but there's something even better. Right now, by going to kkht.com and clicking on the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image and registering your information, you'll get a complimentary copy of my book so that you can study through the devotional along with the shows. Remember that these shows originally aired in 2020, so some of the days and dates aren't current, but you'll get the gist. If you have any questions, email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com, and my trusty wingman, Christy Stratton, will help you out. Thanks for staying with us today, and make sure to join us during the next few weeks as we continue to guide you through my book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. We're glad you're listening. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear Hi folks, it's Richard again. 
I have a lot I want to talk about to share with you today because my heart is really struggling for the people who are out there having such difficulty. These are such trying times. What should be the Garden of Eden has become a battlefield in a spiritual war, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. I had a vision last week, a picture of a World War I scene with a trench on one side, a battlefield in the middle, and a trench on the other, and the trenches of good were on the one side, the trenches of evil were on the other side, and in the middle was this pockmarked no-man's land with barbed wire, and it was all smoky, and people were hiding in the shell craters. And our purpose with this show is to equip Christian warriors to accomplish missions on this battlefield, to help those who are struggling to get out of those craters and to recruit them and to put them into service. Um, And my heart is just with you in all of this. Uh, As always, I'm joined by my fantastic wingman, Christy Stratton, who has a show on later today about one of those shell craters, and it's called The Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton. And it sounds uh, strange, The Divorce Coaching Hour. She's not coaching people to get divorces. She is walking with people to try and avoid divorce. And where divorce can't be avoided, to walk with them across this dangerous ground to try and help them to build lives apart when they've decided to end a marriage and to minimize the collateral damage to friends and family. And I just think that's so courageous that she's taken this uh, opportunity, found that place on the battlefield, and decided to dig in there in faith to walk with those who are struggling. So, Christy, I'm so proud of you. Uh, You have a seven-week series that you're beginning I do, and thank you. Good morning, everyone. And uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. It's We kicked it off last weekend. Continuing this week, we're looking at the entire divorce process. And I like that you liken it to a, you know, I've got a corner of the battlefield here because my heart, as we're talking about the heartbreak, my heart breaks for people who are in this place when they're considering divorce, in the midst of it, or coming out of it. And that's what we do. We talk about the divorce the entire process, but with an eye on either saving a marriage or rebuilding through the process. And that's what the seven-week series is doing. I have different guests on that are talking about this process, uh, uh, you know, about the thinking and looking at the process of eyes wide open. And then people who are talking about the financial aspects of it, uh, then attorneys, and we wait to get to the attorneys because we really want to think through the process. Right. So, And uh, it's, a, it's a battlefield. And Uh, This vision of these shell craters, I mean, this past week we just had the Holocaust Remembrance. And if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, I just think about the Holocaust because things like that don't happen by accident. And there's a lot about our world today that is just uh, challenging and uh, sets us all back in our hearts. We're excited to continue in our devotional series based on my book. And before we get started... I'm going to uh, read you the disclaimer I have to, and then we're going to pray together, and then we're going to jump right in. So let me remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views, and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, how vain is the struggle which does not call on you for strength and love. How pitiful, dear Lord, is the man who seeks the world to fix the problems of the world. And how fraught with sadness is the battlefield of this earth. 
Help us, Father, to turn to you in all things. Help us to seek you in every struggle. And help us, O Lord, to see the opportunity in adversity, the opportunity to plant seeds of truth, to water them with your loving and compassionate word, to weed the crop of lies and deceptions, and to harvest by hope the faith of a new world shaped in Jesus' name. May all we do be pleasing unto you, and may you hear our solemn prayers offered through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. So, the devotional series, uh, many of you have books at this point, and we're receiving all kinds of encouraging emails. And the first week, which we covered, was devotional days one through seven. It was about making the choice for Jesus in all things, turning our back on the world, and choosing him. Last week, we talked about change, and we said that change is dangerous. Change with righteous action will shape a new world. So you make a choice, you act on that choice, and there is change. In the danger of change, there's an opportunity to reshape things. Today, we're going to talk a little more about days 15 through 21. Day 15 is about fellowship. Day 16 talks about the company we keep. Day 17 is about visualizing victory as a warrior. Day 18 looks at being guided by our hearts. Day 19 paints the beautiful image of God smiling on us. Day 20 imagines looking at the world from his perspective. And day 21 is, as always, the Sabbath, and it looks at the previous week and also talks about commander's intent, which, as we spoke about in previous episodes, is to glorify God. When we have a question, we ask ourselves, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to glorify God. In preparing our hearts for this conflict, for this battlefield between the trenches as we go out, I thought a lot about uh, 2010 deployment to Afghanistan when I met my new team of Marines at uh, Camp Pendleton. And standing in front of the gym, there was about 50 of them. I had just got back from Iraq, and I had been coordinating the efforts of the border forces there. So I knew what we were getting into, and I knew it was complex and disheartening at times. As I looked at those Marines, I wanted to simplify it, and so I gave them just one word. And I said to them, this deployment is about respect. It's about respect for the United States and what we're trying to do there. It's about respect for the Marine Corps and how we do business. It's about respect for each other. And it's about respect for the Afghans who still serve tea to strangers, even though they've been at war for years. So just one word? Just one word, respect. I would guess, like, if I thought of you as a colonel, you'd probably, like, in my mind's eye, like tell them a lot of words. And you just said one word, respect. I said it's going to be about respect because they all came from different specialties. And they all, uh, we had infantry Marines, we had logistics Marines, communications Marines. And what I really wanted them to take on board was that when you're confused about what's going on and when you're angry and all of these things, just think about respect mm. and what we're doing here. And so as I looked at this week, in the devotional, mm -hmm. I thought to myself, it's about heart. Mm -hmm. Lead with your heart. And, and we feel vulnerable in doing so. But if you lead with your heart in all things across this battlefield, looking at those craters, the worst case scenario is you'll be wrong for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. The worst case scenario is you'll extend grace to somebody who doesn't want any part of it. Yep. 
And that's on them, not on you. It kind of sounds like just that one word, it's easier to, to really remember when, you know, not all these one, all, all these words. Right. So if you're, you know, in the throes of a decision, whether you're on the combat field, respect, like how am I going to show respect? That seems easier to remember. Heart. Right. So we're going to talk about heart. And the reason why I bring it up in this way is... In many ways, the deck seems stacked against us because we have 24-7 access to all this global news. and Lots of words. Lots of words. And we think that we function at the strategic level. We look <laughs> at the world's problems, and it's like looking at the battlefield in its entirety. It's just too big. It's just too hard. And it's it makes mess. us feel small. Right. And the thing is, that's exactly right. The devil wants us to feel small. Right. We talked about that last week and the week before. Yeah. And... We are not small, and it makes me think about the ultimate battle of big and small, which was David and Goliath. Yes. And so... That is the ultimate battle. I love that story. Exactly. It boils down to heart, because if you remember right, the Israelites faced the Philistines for 40 days. Goliath came out and taunted the Israelites. And here comes David bringing pizza to the boys from his father, Jesse, who you know, uh, Jesus is descended from that line. And David says, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. And they say, well, this dude comes out there and he, he taunts everybody. And, and David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He did not feel hurt. He wasn't offended. He wasn't overwhelmed. He was angry and resolved. And I love this because there's such a lesson in it. He picked the biggest problem he could get his arms around, which was Goliath. And he decided, I'm going to attack this problem. So he tells King Saul, I'm going to attack this guy. King Saul puts all his armor on him. David says, I can't fight in all this. So he strips off all the armor. He takes a sling. He takes five stones. And he goes out there to confront Goliath. He asked for God's help with a heart full of faith. He said, this is the problem I can fix. And I'm going to apply myself there. And by the way, he didn't take one stone. He took five because he was going to obliterate this problem. And after he whacked Goliath in the head, remember, he then chopped his head off. Yeah. It sounded like he got to the heart of the matter very quickly, very simply. With a heart full of faith. So as we feel really small looking at the TV and the magnitude of all of these problems and all of this commentary say, on all of this turn off the problem, TV. <laughs> turn off the TV is not a bad idea. But it really comes down to heart and faith. Ask yourself. What's the biggest difference you can make on the battlefield? And then how will you prepare your heart to make that difference? So a couple things uh, occur to me about preparing your heart. Number one, as we said in the first week, give it to Jesus in all things. Mm. Number two, turn your back on the devil. He's going to tell you you're small, you're not good enough, you're not worthy. That's for sure. Just like he told the Israelites. And it wasn't until they saw David and by his leadership that they were able to rise up. And lastly, you got to be honest, because in order to have a heart full of faith, it can't be full of other stuff. And like David, you got to strip off this unnecessary weight, all this armor that, that you're carrying around. Invite Jesus in there. And in integrity, in honesty, like we said last week, if there's something in there that you got to get rid of, bring it to him. Give it to him. Don't pretend that you can live the rules that you want to and not obey the rules of other. You're driving down the street and you're hanging out the window, giving everybody the one finger salute. Well, scripture says, love thy neighbors uh, and glorify God. So how are you doing that 
when you're giving them that salute. I even felt bad because last week I was angry about taxes. And then I thought to myself, well, what does Scripture say? Because my first question, I always try to have it be, what does Scripture say? And it says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. So I needed to not be distracted. I needed to not waste that emotional energy. And um, did I feel bad? I, I was wrong. But the sooner you say I'm wrong, the sooner you can get right. And it's it's not about... Um, it's about pouring it through the filter of God's word. The backwards thing that the world does now is we act the way we want to act, and then we try and distill some truth, yeah. as opposed to taking God's truth and pouring everything we do through that filter and seeing what comes out the bottom. And what I'm telling you is if some of the things that are in your behavior need to be filtered out based on God's word, hey, you can't swear at somebody and love thy neighbor. Well, then we get mad at God for things not going our way, but we're not going God's way. We're not doing God's it way. his way. <laughs> exactly right. So choose Jesus. Don't believe the devil. Be honest and pour it through the filter of God's word and strip off all that unnecessary weight so that you can commit yourself to the battle. And so Christy is doing that with her show where, you know, a lot of people want to say to her, what do you coach people to get a divorce? I know. It's funny. They're like, what? <laughs> you coach people to get a divorce. And, she's, and I've I've turned it around and actually said, I kind of laugh and say, no, 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 I don't coach people to get a divorce. But if you're considering it, we're going to look at it eyes wide open. And you're right. One of the things on this battlefield of the world, if if I can do anything is help somebody to think through it way before uh, they march onto this field, because it's going to be worse the, uh, the worst battle that they've likely ever been through. Uh, and so I'm definitely going to help them with that. And, you know, back to what we're talking about, heart, is it just is we make things too complicated. And what you're saying is is just simplify it. Simplify it. Let me tell you a quick story about there's a lot about my last second to last deployment to Afghanistan that's like this world. The food was awful. We lived in dusty conditions. We rarely showered. We're out there in this miserable combat outpost doing this very confusing job where we're advising the Afghans. We're not really sure if we're having the desired effect. We're seeing bad things happen. There's always the threat of danger. You're not seeing your kids grow up. You get an email once in a while, and most of the time you're just saying, what the heck? And I think a lot of us feel that way right here, right now. We feel powerless. And what the heck? What the heck? I'm watching the news and it's all twisted and it's all nonsense and I'm powerless and I'm small and nothing can change this. And this funny thing happened one night. I had a patrol out. It was about five o'clock and we didn't do night operations very often. And I was wondering where this patrol was because they should have been back. And I said to the operations officer, get in touch with these guys and see where they are. And he said to me later, I can't get a hold of them. And then at about 8 o'clock that night, just before dark, we got a, a radio call from them, and they said that they were stuck. The vehicles were stuck in the mud in the middle of this Coochie village, which was a nomadic tribe. And they said, we can't uh, get out. We need you to come and get us. And I said, well, I can't come and get you. It's too late now. So go firm, protect yourself, be prepared to be attacked, and we'll be there first thing in the morning. So first thing in the morning, we show up there, the sun's just coming up, and the scene is the middle of this village, 
there are these two big trucks. They're both sunk up to the axles. And sitting beside the truck in a big circle is the Marines and the Coochies. And I walked up to the patrol leader and I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, well, it was freezing last night and the Coochies saw us here and they were worried that we were cold. So this morning they brought us tea. Totally wouldn't expect that. Hot tea. And so I know it's not exactly analogous, but the point is, is that if we do things right and if we do things with compassion and if we do things with the right heart, yeah, then things will will have their way and God will have his way and J- Jesus will synchronize all of our activities on the battlefield and we'll all be pulling on the same end of the rope. But we cannot be in our own minds according to our own rules and expect uh, the synchronicity that comes from loving God. So that's the truth. And that brings us to the moment of truth, because in every episode we have a moment of truth where we take scripture from the Bible and we try to apply it to our current discussion. We do this to show that the Bible is relevant and it's timely and it's God's word. And though it was written thousands of years ago, it should be the place we turn first. Today's moment of truth comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 25. As the Israelites observed Goliath and the Philistine army, they say, Now the Israelites had been saying, You see how this man keeps coming out. He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. I use this example to show that rather than turning to God for help and attacking the Philistines, the Israelite army was admiring its problem. As is common today, there are lots of people admiring the problem. There's commentary and there's discussion, but there's not actually a lot of activity. We're not turning to God, and it's partly because our problems seem too big. Worse yet, though they do nothing, they criticize those who are in the fight trying to do something. Hmm. I'm not big on admiring problems. I'd much rather ask God for help, find a piece of the problem that I can attack, and get to work. With God, we're all capable of doing this. And it brings me to a quote by Mark Twain, which I love, which is our quote of the day. And in his funny way, Twain said, I have lived through some terrible things in my life, some of which have actually happened. I love that man. (laughs) I love him. He's hilarious. And what he's saying is we often make our problems bigger than they are. And sometimes we actually invent our problems. Yes. And and the way we describe that in the Marine Corps is we call it practicing bleeding. Hey, I'm pretty sure when the time comes, I'll bleed. So for right now, I'm just going to do my job. (laughs) And I think that's the case. And if we make these small problems big, what do we do with our real big problems and our far-reaching problems? Right. So I would suggest, first and foremost, like David, we ask God by reading his scripture, listening for his quiet word. And second, we rely on the army of the living God and each apply ourselves to some corner of the battlefield in faith, in humility, in power, and in love. So to wrap up, let me just say that combat is hard. The world is a battlefield. It's supposed to look like the Garden of Eden, but instead it looks like a scene out of World War One. If we carry unnecessary weight, the weight of our sin, we will surely perish. So first and foremost, as we prepare to do God's work, we must bring our hearts to Jesus and he will help us. He knows the devil. He himself was tested and he knows each of us. We can't hide anything from him. He has heard what we've said And he has seen what we've done. He also knows how our words and actions have hurt people, though we may not. And if you think about that, he knows the full extent of the damage we've done in our sin and still 
He forgives us. He knows it all. He knows it all. So each of us in our own time must kneel at the foot of the cross and ask him to free us of the burdens we carry, help us to get rid of this unnecessary weight so our hearts can be full of faith and as warriors we can go and do our jobs. As the word for my team in Afghanistan was respect, the word for us as Christians is heart. Heart. Friends, before David showed up on the battlefield, the Israeli army was admiring its problems. It didn't turn to God. It did not have the heart to fight, and it was paralyzed. And then David arrived. As David faced Goliath with a few stones, a sling, and a heart full of faith, by his leadership, the Israelite army faced the Philistines. He reminded them that they were warriors. In the same way as individuals and as a nation, we can face the parts of the problems of our lives by faith as an army of the living God. With God's help, bit by bit, we can work through them. Our lives will never be without problems, but if we turn carefully and honestly to God in all things, our problems will actually draw us closer to Him. We cannot be duped into passivity. Battles are not won in sweeping attacks by faceless hordes. They're won in individual engagements across the battlefield one day at a time. They're won when ordinary men and women turn to God. When they submit to him with integrity, when they resist evil influence, and when they rise up by his might to defeat an enemy that other people thought was indomitable. We can't allow the Philistines we see on the news and on the internet to defy the army of the living God. Each day, each of us has the opportunity to win engagements across the battlefield. That is how Christianity works. That is how counterinsurgency works. Please don't be robbed of your personal opportunity to be a spiritual leader by the behemoth of lies and sin which grinds across the world each day. Act locally with courage, kindness, and charity in faith, and according to God's word, you are part of an army. Someone else will attack another part and someone else a part beyond that. And if we all do it Jesus' way, he will orchestrate our efforts, and before we know it, things will change. There is an urgency to this, in case we haven't noticed Things are rough out there, and they're rough for good people. The people in those craters are not bad people. We all end up in those craters from time to time. One of the metaphors that Christy uses on her show is about a man who falls in a hole, and we've talked about it on this show. And he prays, and a priest walks by and says a prayer, and he says, help me, and uh, nothing happens. A doctor walks by, he says, help me. The doctor writes a prescription. Nothing happens. Another guy walks by. And he says, help me. And the guy jumps in the hole and he said, what'd you do that for? Now we're both in the hole. And the guy says, yeah, but I've been in this hole and I know how to get out. That's the compassion of it. That's the integrity of it. That's the heart that says, I'm not better than anybody. I've been a mess. I turn to Jesus and he helps me every day. So the world wants you to feel small because the devil wants you to feel powerless. You're part of an army of the living God. There is no bigger army than that. Friends, we pray that the upcoming week in my devotional is fun and fruitful and that you have a meaningful time with God by His Word, through prayer, and as you give your heart to Him in all things. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and Semper Fi.